Good evening. Welcome to Night Time. I'm Dave Wager from the Relate 365 Leadership Team, your host for the next half hour. We're hoping that God will use this time to help you unwind from the business of this day and begin to prepare for tomorrow. Often, when we start the process of going to sleep, we can take a moment to reflect on the day and see how we responded to the various people and situations we encountered. Hopefully, you're able to live and not just endure this day. Each night as we start our time together, I want to remind you of some critical thoughts that so often get lost in the plethora of stimuli we seem immersed in. God is a God of love, and He loves you. And He has a plan, and you can be in His plan if you want to be. If you had trouble finding God today, it was because you did not truly seek Him. If for some reason you're angry, disappointed, or choosing to disobey God, you don't know Him. If you've been listening to the Nighttime series, you know we've been going through the Intimate Warrior books and talking about various aspects of our Christian life. The Intimate Warrior books are four different books called Beyond the Compass, Beyond the Resistance, Beyond the Expectation, Beyond the Deception. These are books that are written more as a help for a small group or individual to learn how to read God's Word and enjoy God's Word and apply it to their lives. If as we talk about them you're interested, you can go to the Relate365.com website or the SilverBirchRanch.org website and order these. And if you're interested in more of a quantity, you can call us and we can see what we can do to help you. The book I want to start reading and talking about tonight is a book, Beyond the Compass. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Satan's greatest weapon in the war against humankind is deception. Because he's older than we are and smarter than we are, he often uses his experience and know-how to encourage us to adamantly believe that we're going to be in the right direction when in fact we're headed down the path toward destruction. Each of us, no matter how disciplined, has a tendency to lie to ourselves, to not see clearly what is really going on, to spin facts and details to match our own limited understanding. To think that we are headed north when we are really going south. What an intimate warrior must do is meet with our king on a regular basis and learn to accept and apply what he says. For he alone cannot and will not be fooled. God alone is our true north. All other directions in life can ultimately be evaluated by his absolutes. In short, we must move beyond the compass and make God the only direction and goal of our lives. 
There really is no way you can even begin to understand the incomprehensible without long periods of tremendous thinking. Satan will do all he can to keep you from meeting with God because your intimacy with God and your obedience to God are the only things that Satan really fears. The idea that you're listening to a calm podcast or broadcast like this tonight in order to have your mind put in the right place probably gets Satan very upset. I encourage you not only to get into the habit of sitting alone with God, but also to begin to encourage others to do the same. We need to continue to urge Christians everywhere to spend time with God. We need to ask God to give us a million men and women in our country who would be dedicated to spending a minimum of an hour each day pondering the truths of Scripture. Can you imagine what that would do to our nation, to our families, to our schools? The idea of a compass is a wonderful idea. The science of the compass, the understanding that you can know what direction you're going in is critical to any navigator. The problem is that there are two kinds of north. There's a magnetic north and a true north. The magnetic north is really affected by many different things in life. In the room that I'm speaking to you from, there's many different computers and soundboards. There's internet devices. There's headphones. There's all kinds of magnetism in this room. Whether I like it or not, the various properties of everything in this room will affect a compass if I pull it out. It's not that it will send me completely the wrong direction. But instead of getting a true north reading, I'll probably have a reading that's affected by all the magnetism around me. There is such a thing as a magnetic north and a true north. The Bible really is a true north book. There's a stake in the ground and you can look at it and say, if I'm heading that way, I am heading in the right direction. It's important that we understand that there is a direction to head, that going in any direction will not get you to a specific spot. In fact, if you're headed anywhere, I'm sure you'll get there. But anywhere isn't a destination. first thought that I talk about in the book Beyond the Compass is how much do you need to understand before you believe? Can you believe something and not understand it? When I'm traveling in a car and I'm going north, I don't always feel like I'm going north. In fact, I think I'm directionally challenged, so I probably never know what direction I'm actually going in. 
I will often look at the compass on the car. And even though I think I'm going north, if I look at that compass and there's a big S there, meaning south, then I'm not going north. I could insist that I'm going north. I could insist that I want to go north. I can argue the point that I should go north while I'm traveling south because I refuse to look at the science. I refuse to look at the exact data and respond to it. The other day we were driving to my daughter's house and we were getting off a major highway and I have gone to her house maybe hundreds of times. And as we got off at the exit, I put my right blinker on. I was in the right lane. I was going to turn right to go to her place. When my wife spoke up and said, Dave, you do know that you need to turn left here. I let out a little giggle, put on the left signal, and of course acted like I knew all along that I had to go left. You see, it's important what direction we go in if we have somewhere we're going. There are so many people in our nation and in the world that are directionless. If I were to come to you and ask you, where are you headed? What is the goal of your life? What would you tell me? If you cannot fill in the blank, then you have no direction. You have no goal. You are exist existing every day to exist, and you hope that by the end of the day you existed and you can start it all over tomorrow and exist again. I remember asking a group of men why they went to work every morning and they looked at me like I was strange. They said, because we want to provide for our family. I said, okay. But they don't need you to do that. They can provide for themselves. Why else would you go to work? Well, because I need to make sure that all of the expenses are paid. And they kept trying to explain to me why they went to work. I said, well, why would you want to make sure you have food and housing and all that kind of stuff. Well, so that we could stay alive until we die. I said, so your goal is to stay alive until you die? That'll probably happen. Most likely, everybody who's listening will stay alive until they die. It's not really a very great goal to have. We do go to work, but do we go to work so that we just stay alive? Do we go to work because it has to fill the years between the time we become an adult and the time we retire? Do we go to work so that we can have toys to play with? Bigger houses? More luxuries, more comfort? What is the purpose of this life? You see, if we don't have something we're headed toward, then nothing is worth the sacrifice to get there. 
There are many today who are believers who are not interested in dying to themselves and living to God. And they're not interested, basically, because they really don't have a direction, so there's nothing worth the sacrifice. If I, you were a soldier and I was sending you to war and you wanted to know why we were fighting, and I said, I don't know, there's no really good reason. We just, we're, we're soldiers, so what soldiers do is fight, so let's go fight. Your motivation for fighting would not be there. We have no reason to fight. We have no goal. We have no expectations. It is very important that you and I come to the conclusion that God made us for a purpose and that we have the goals and the purpose in our mind and we're headed that way. It's important that we have markers along the way to make sure that we're headed in the right direction. It's critical that if we say we're going north, that we are going north. I live in Wisconsin, and if I wanted to go to New York from here, I would need to travel east. If I got on a highway and I started traveling west, because I like the highways better, because I like the restaurants better, because I like the weather better, because it's easier traffic flow, I would be foolish. You could imagine me stopping for at a restaurant or for gas and talking to people there and telling them, oh man, this is beautiful, I can't wait to get to New York. And they might say, well then why are you headed west? And I would look at them and say, why are you so judgmental? I can go any direction I want and get there. See, the people would look at me like I was a crazy man. Yet so often in our lives, that's how we treat God's word. It's like I want to do whatever I want to do, but I want to get it well done, thou good and faithful servant one day from God. Well, look, you're headed the wrong direction for that. If I were to say that to somebody, they would say I was judgmental, legalistic, harsh. Look, the Bible isn't that hard to understand. It's been translated into English for a long time. If I want to know God and I want to know why I'm here and I want to know what direction to go in, it's pretty clear. The truth of the matter is that most people probably in our culture spend more time in media, more time with news, more time doing anything other than knowing God. And they may be able to come up with some great academic reasons for life and what they're doing and where they hope to head. But if they're headed in the wrong direction, it doesn't really matter what their goals and aspirations are. The confusion that our culture has over right and wrong and good and bad 
is certainly a driving force in our thought process that needs to be corrected. Romans 11, 33-36 says this in the NIV version, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable His judgments and His paths are beyond tracing out! Who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been His counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Ephesians 3.8 in the NIV says, although I, am, although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable is quite an interesting word. This word, which could literally mean beyond tracing out or even incapable of being followed by footprints, is used in these two passages in all of Scripture. What does it mean? What could this mean? Could it mean that God's dumbest thought is smarter than my smartest thought? Yes, it could. Could it mean that even after God works, I may not be able to fully comprehend how he worked? Yes, it, it could mean that. Could it mean that there is much going on in the world, in the universe, that I just do not or cannot understand? Of course. Many times we seem to get lost in our own understanding. We work in the realm of human thinking, human wisdom, and human advice so much of the time that it becomes normal to think humanly. There may be nothing wrong with being human, but we'll miss out a lot if we continue to live by human rather than divine thinking. Today, there's a battle going on. Today, God is at work. Today, Satan is hatching a scheme. Today, people will die for their faith, abandon their faith, and begin their faith. Today, there will be rejoicing in heaven over those who repent of their sins, and amazement at those who have the very power and word of God at their disposal, yet do not use it. Today, much will happen indeed. Will I be part of this, or will I miss it? Will I be engaged in the internal struggle, or just try to make the end of the day? Will my goal be a, one of being an active soldier for our king, or will I not even be aware of the war and what's at stake? There's much that's happening today, and when it's all over, even if I'm an active participant, I may not be able to see clearly all that God has accomplished. I think a good prayer for me for today would be, God, help me today to see your agenda and how I might be a part of such a wonderful, unimaginable, and comprehensive plan. 
Indeed, God's dumbest thought is smarter than my smartest. It is so easy to live my life and justify everything I do according to my own human wisdom. I really need to continue to be in God's word and realize that if God says something, it needs to be accomplished. I need to do it whether I understand it or not. And if the goal at the end of my life, and it should be the goal, is that I stand before God and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Knowing that God won't lie, then what I need to do is put myself on a path, on a direction, in a direction that is in line with that happening. To think that one day I would stand before God and he would say that just to say it, to give me false affirmation, that would be wrong. He won't do that. The second thought in the book Beyond the Compass starts with the question, does God have an opinion or a perspective? Is my world really what I think it is? I know you're thinking, you know, you ask too many questions, Dave. And maybe I do. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, if I remind you because we've read it before today, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. How am I supposed to do this? I realize that I'm not that bright. But really, when it comes right down to it, my understanding is all I've got. I understand certain things about the universe, my country, my neighborhood, my work, my family, and even myself. I understand a bit about how to take care of a car, house, or lawn, and boat. I spend time with God and know a bit about who He is and how He works. Yet my understanding always seems so finite. It seems as if I can always learn more. Sometimes when I learn, even negates what I thought I already knew. I remember talking with a scientist who was a Christian who was telling me about a discussion he had with some scientists who did not know Christ and who would not acknowledge God. He said that these scientists spent their lives trying to understand the universe or their specialty parts of the universe. When they got together, they spoke of things they understood and spoke of these things with the certainty that comes from hours of study and debate. These scientists were always willing to share what they knew with other people and to wow others with the facts and charts and big words and conclusions. The problem is that these scientists also exposed a major flaw in their system of gaining knowledge. By their own admission, the facts in their field change and new data becomes available. The consequence is that what was believed to be absolute truth 150 years ago became nonsense just 100 years ago. 
Because of the new information that the scientific community had gleaned from the new studies, technologies, and experimentations. Even 50 years ago, the facts were different from what they are today, for the same reason. Following this pattern, we can assume what future scientists will say. We can and must assume that as new facts are discovered, the old facts, in quotes, will be disproven and rendered non-facts. The old understanding will be proven deficient and the former knowledge will be discarded or revamped. In the end, when all things stop, every scientist will stand before the I am and realize the truth. God has not changed. His facts have not changed. If you start with that which never changes, even if you don't understand it all, you at least start with the right information. My understanding is limited. God is not. I am continually learning. God is not. I have an opinion. God does not. I have a perspective. God does not. I very much want to make God like me so that I can understand him. Yet I must not. The best I can do is spend time admitting that my understanding is limited and realizing that the time I actually understand the most is when I finally admit that I don't understand and yield my life to the only one who does. Isaiah 55.8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. It is so easy to elevate myself. It's so easy to put God in a box that I can understand. When I talk to people and they're talking about God, they would sometimes say, don't you think, don't you think God would? And they use their own understanding to try and talk about who God is and what he would do and how he would function. If God is God, and he is, he's way beyond us. We are the created ones. He is the creator. Those of us that are the created ones will never surpass our creator. The best we can hope for is that we can read the word that he gave us, look at the universe that he made, worship him and hopefully have his spirit as we have joined his family through Jesus Christ. Speak to our hearts and give us an understanding the best that we can understand. You and I are on a road and we're going somewhere. We're headed in a direction and that direction will get us somewhere. We're foolish if we don't think about where we're headed and what we're doing today and the direction we're headed today, how that affects our future. Without a clear goal, you can drive anywhere and get to where you're going because you're not going anywhere. You can be carefree. You can go out and ignore 
responsibility completely. You can even think that's really living. When in reality it gets you nowhere, does nothing, and in the end you'll be disappointed that your life was not invested because it was made to be invested. One day each of us, when we stand before God, will long for him to look at us and say, well done. We will want to hear those words because if God says them, he will mean them. He doesn't utter false words. He doesn't say things he doesn't mean. We need to really take the time that we have on this earth and invest it properly, going in the right direction, thinking the right thoughts, doing the right things. I encourage you to, every day, take time to enjoy God, to open His Word, to really listen to what He has to say. If you don't understand what He's saying, then you need to ask Him to help you understand, but regardless of whether you understand or not, regardless of your capabilities, you need to trust what God has said. I thank you for spending this half hour with me. This is Dave Wager for the leadership team here at Relate365.com on the campus of Nicolay Bible Institute, which is a division of silverbirchranch.org. Good night. <laughs>